the Tom Sumner Program. Old Fashioned Radio for a New Generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Not an easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm alright, Tom. How are you? Lucky day, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a great question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. What's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program, old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. The Tom Sumner Program is made possible with support from Seth David Radwell, a recent guest on the program and author of American Schism, How the Two Enlightenments Hold a Secret to Healing Our Nation, released in July 2021. As Publishers Weekly writes in its recent glowing review of American Schism, business executive Radwell's epic debut examines the historical influences that have led to what he sees as the collapse of politics in the United States. Seth Radwell makes the case that the current chasm between the American right and left can be traced back to the 18th century's Age of Enlightenment and the basic tenets of liberty, equality, and reason. American Schism provides a historical perspective that can help bridge current day divides. American Schism by Seth David Radwell is available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and wherever books are sold. For more information, go to americanschismbook.com. Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. And welcome back, everybody, as we roll into the second hour of our three-hour tour. Um, we have uh, back joining me uh, again on the uh, on the program is the uh, founder of PETA, Ingrid Newkirk, joins me by phone. Hi, Ingrid. Welcome back. Hi, Tom. Thanks very much. Ingrid, um... <laughs> I, I'm I'm looking at this uh, at this new book. Um, Two hundred and fifty vital things your cat wants you to know. The Cat Guardian's Bible. Um, and uh, usually we're talking about dogs and sometimes exotic animals. Um, what what turns you in the direction of wanting people to know what their cats wanted them to know? Well, Tom, I think a lot of people get a cat, and with the best of intentions, they just put the cat in the house or the apartment, and they think, you know, it's like a potted plant. They don't realize that you're their guardian, that to them, you're the most precious family member, and they love you. And so we need respect and understanding and patience, and to put ourselves in their paws, if you will, because 
they're not a pair of sneakers. They're a living being with lots of emotions, and they pay very close attention to you because you control their whole world. And anything you provide or fail to provide, I mean, that shows how much you care about them and understand them. So we have three cats at the moment. We're always rescuing cats at PETA. But three at the moment in our Norfolk, Virginia office, they came from the BP oil spill in Louisiana. So they're getting on in years. But they were abandoned when people lost their jobs, fled the state, and left, sadly, as happens all the time, left cats behind. And in caring for those three cats every single day in the fourth floor of our office, where we've modified so many things to give them a real life, I thought, I know so many things as a cat auntie that I should put it in this book and help other people perhaps figure out how to care better for their own cats. Well, I also want to mention the book has a, uh, an introduction by uh, actor Kim Basinger who's uh, been very active in uh, animal rescue groups uh, in the Los Angeles area, but she says some really wonderful things about you. <laughs> well, I could say some wonderful things about Kim. She is a real animal person. She has a very big heart. And in fact, years ago, Tom, she helped us when we were working to stop a huge group of beagles from having their legs broken in a laboratory to test out some procedure. It didn't need to be done. And we, uh, Kim and I went up to the lab and eventually those beagles were saved. But in the introduction to the cat book, she talks about how her vet called her up one day and said, we've got this stray cat, this kitten really, who was found in a plastic bag rolling down the street. Um, if if this kitten pulls through, will you take her? And Kim, of course, being a cat person, being a kind person, said yes. And the cat must have heard that and thought, I could live in Hollywood. So <laughs> the cat went to live with her. <laughs> cat lived with her for the rest of her life. And one of the things I thought was lovely is that Kim is so understanding. You know, people often... If the cat gets on top of the computer, which they love to do on your keyboard, people just brush them aside and get impatient. And Kim said, no, you know, she wants to stay there. She's telling me she loves me. She wants my attention. She's not a potted plant. She wants me to, you know, play with her or, or, or pet her. And so I understand she's communicating with me. And so... Kim said she would walk away from the computer and just leave the cat on the keyboard or play with the cat or let the cat sleep there. And so I, I think Kim is just a fine example of understanding and patience. You should never, ever yell at your cat or scold your cat, of course, because it's like talking to Cindy Crawford about politics. It doesn't work and it's <laughs> insulting. <laughs> so just have patience, put yourself in their place and figure out what they're trying to say to you. You know, that's a lie name I may steal from you, Ingrid. <laughs> <laughs> Talking politics with Cindy Crawford, that's funny. Um, Ingrid, a lot of people have the impression about cats that because, because cats seem very aloof 
at times, people kind of form the impression that cats can take care of themselves. You know, a litter box in the corner and set it and forget it. And what what can people learn from this book that that would help evolve their thinking about cats? You are absolutely right. Um, cats are not. And, and I don't easy mean people. people. I, I don't mean people do that to be cruel, but they think, you know, I don't have a lot of time to look after an animal that needs a lot of attention and care, and cats are more interesting than goldfish. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're right. Is that people sometimes acquire an animal thoughtlessly. There's a, a saying in England that a cat isn't just, or a dog isn't just for Christmas, they're for life. And a cat coming into your house like any other living being is an individual. Cats have a lot of emotions. They may not show them the way a dog does, they don't wag their tail for the same reason or jump up on you or be exuberant when you come home. Um, Bill Maher always said, my dogs, when I come home, they're the only ones who ever greet me as if I'm the Beatles coming into the house. <laughs> you know, the <laughs> and it doesn't matter how long you were gone. Oh, exactly. Five minutes is too long. Yeah, you could walk down to, to the mailbox. You could just take a yeah. walk down to the where, mailbox where and come you? back, and it's like you've been gone a month. <laughs> yes. Why didn't you take me with you? Yeah. <laughs> what nerve that you have to have left. I was just talking to someone who said, why is it when I come home, I've, I've only been gone, you know, an hour or two, and I come home and my cat just turns around and walks away. All I see is their bottom and I think, you know, so you don't love me. And I said, it's not that at all. Your cat is miffed at you because your cat loves you so much. They just don't understand how you could have just walked out the house. <laughs> it's a divorce. And so when I went to Ireland once for three months, my cat Jarvis, who I adored and he adored me, I gave for safekeeping for the three months to someone I trusted absolutely and they were great, they adored him. When I came back after three months, Jarvis would not talk to me at all. He would just look at me with that look and walk away and it was, you betrayed me. So they're very, very emotional. They just keep it under their hats. Well, and, and by doing that, I think they, they give off an impression to a lot of people that don't take the time to dig deeper that they're just disinterested and live in their own world and, and let them to it. Yeah, and it's not true, Tom, because, I mean, just last week there was an article in the paper about how cats will know where you are spatially. They keep track of you so carefully. And they have to because you run their entire world. Whether they eat and when they eat is up to you. If they have clean water, as you mentioned, you know, their litter box, which is so fastidious. They're, they don't want to step in anything untoward. Their nostrils are so sensitive. They don't want to smell anything. They don't want to smell. Um, you know, you have to be very much aware of what you are giving them or how you are neglecting them. They are not easy keepers. They are vital little individuals with personality. They have thoughts and feelings. 
They're trying to communicate. You don't speak cat, and they don't speak human, but they're quite clever, and they work out ways to tell you things that to try to get your attention, and um, that's just how it is. You know, I was I was uh, looking at the book. It's uh, 250 Vital Things Your Cat Wants You to Know by PETA founder uh, Ingrid Newkirk, who's uh, with me by phone. Um, Ingrid, I was looking at some, uh, at some bullet points on the back of the book, and one of the things that caught my attention was find a reliable cat sitter. And, you know... I have to admit, and and maybe I should be embarrassed to admit this, but it would not have occurred to me to get a cat sitter. I, I, you know, I think a lot of people think because of that impression we have of cats and their independence that that they can be left alone for long periods of time, and you don't have to worry about them being destructive or um, eating too much or or whatever if there's enough food and water out and you know the, they've got a fresh litter box that you know they're they're really okay to fend for themselves yeah they're not i mean one of the things is um i and i talk about why not to fly your cat anywhere other than under your feet but that's a hazard so if you're going somewhere and you're thinking of taking your cat with you there are many things you need to know about flying about the car and that sort of thing I also talk about how when some people go away, they put the cat in the vet's office. Nothing is probably more worrying to a cat than to be dumped at the vet in a small cage or a a cat run where they hear animals who are in distress or who are recovering from surgery crying. There are unfamiliar animals, unfamiliar people, and so on. And they don't know if you're ever coming back. There's no way to say to them, and I'll be back in a week. Um, so never ever at the vet, and they can catch something anyway, an upper respiratory disease. But if you're going away, I mean, a cat cannot clean their own litter box. And if something goes wrong with the water that you've left for them, and if you are going to go away, leave lots of bowls of water, dehydration is a problem. But something can happen. The, the house can catch fire. God forbid, but it can. There can be an electrical fault. Somebody can break in. They can get entangled in the window blinds. or Who knows? So you do need someone who is going to keep an eye and who is going to do things like clean that box. Um, and it gives them comfort to know that someone is popping in. They haven't been abandoned. Suddenly the house or the apartment is totally quiet and no one has come home. What's going on? But you choose a cat sitter the way a, a, I always say, the way a French chef chooses vegetables, but without the squeezing part. <laughs> is that you're very, <laughs> you must be very picky. You know, a smile doesn't mean that that's a great sitter. You must check the references carefully. You must make sure they call you every day. And I'm not being um, extreme here. Things happen. And I've heard so many stories talk to so many bereft people because they didn't take every precaution they should have. So, you know, very, very important just to make sure it's not a teenager who, I mean, yes, we all love teenagers, but <laughs> decide that something else is In- more important than checking on the cat. Ingrid, I have to take a break here. Can you stick around so we can talk some more? Delighted, Tom. All right, just be a few minutes. We're going to take a short break. We'll be Everybody's right back. Everybody's doing 
it on brand new dance now. Hi, this is Mark Farner, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination, a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can. Keep wearing masks correctly and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19 and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call the X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses. And where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County. Where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at Michigan.org. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. I know of a place where you never get harmed, a magical place 
with magical charms indoors 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 take it away hi this is deb cherry genesee county treasurer and you're listening to the tom sumner radio show and welcome back, everybody. We continue my conversation with the uh, founder of PETA. Uh, Ingrid Newkirk is joining me by phone with uh, her essential uh, guide about cats. It's called 250 Vital Things Your Cat Wants You to Know, the Cat Guardian's Bible. And she joins me by phone. Ingrid, um, th- welcome back, and thanks for sticking around. Sorry to make you sit through all that. Oh, my pleasure entirely. Um, We were talking a little bit about uh, how people sort of have misperceptions about cats because cats are, um, I think it's safe to say, somewhat discerning. (laughs) (laughs) Cats are very subtle, and they keep their emotions to themselves mostly, but they also communicate uh, with you, and so you should be aware of when they're trying to get your attention. You mustn't be a blur to them. Uh, they should be able to pick you out in the police lineup. They, you shouldn't be a stranger to them. <laughs> um, but they also <laughs> but they also want you to look around the house and make sure there aren't any hazards for them. Uh, that's your duty and your responsibility. But you can see things in cats where they, you know, they have that question mark tail, which means I'm so happy. And then they squint at you where they close their eyes ever so slowly, which is supposed to mean I just adore you. I love you and I hope you love me back. Um, lots and lots of things to learn about cats. And, and is that something that people can can learn on their own or should they really do a little research before getting a cat? I think they should think carefully because getting a cat means you have to have the time to pay attention to them as you said. You know, you, you, you can't just get a cat and forget about it. Um, you need patience, understanding. I mean, it's like having a child in the, in the home except some of them are grown up and they've seen a lot, and some of them, if you get them from the shelter, have not been treated very well by other human beings, and they may be wary. So your understanding is vital. And, of course, um, experience is a great teacher because you learn things from interacting with your cat, and the more you interact with your cat, the more you pick up. But, yes, you should do your homework because there are hazards around the house. There are things to look after. It's going to require work of you. <laughs> and you do have to think about things such as, will I be moving? Will I be uh, traveling? Will I have other people in the house who may not be as attentive or care or even like my cat? Um, how will the dog or the other cat get along with them? There are many things. And whether or not you should let your cat outdoors because some people think, oh, just open the door and cats need to go outside. And that's one of the worst things that you can ever do. So you have to make your home your cat's castle. And what about this idea? As, as we know, Ingrid, there are an awful lot of uh, stray cats and or feral cats. And some people um, are... are 
of a mind to take them in. Um, what are some of the, the hazards of, of doing that? What should people know before they consider um, attempting to adopt a cat that's been hanging around their, their neighborhood? Well, if there is a cat hanging around your neighborhood, the kindest thing you can do is trap them and sterilize them. Now, what you do afterwards is a, a matter of, of discussion. Uh, I don't think if they are truly feral that they should be left outside even when they're sterilized because they're going to come to a bad end. And I've seen such terrible ends for cats out there. They don't die of old age. You know, if you have a cat in, inside, you would never just say, good luck putting you in the alley. I know winter's coming. Hope, hope you survive. Or I, I guess you're going to get parasites and no one's going to treat you. Or we'll vaccinate you once and that's it for the rest of your life. Cats get things, everything from their teeth decay to they get a heart problem or they have cystitis, which of course they can get inside too, but nobody is treating them if they're just left out there somewhere. So the first thing is to, is to take them in. And then I always say, just think, are you, are you doing what you're doing for yourself or for the cat? The cat's best interest must come first. If you take in a truly feral cat, they'll probably hide under your couch or your bed for weeks because they're petrified of you. And that means every day their hearts are thumping and they're scared and they don't know if you're about to do something horrid. So there are so many cats who need homes who don't have to go through that. You just go down to the shelter. Of course, never shop. Always adopt so that you can save a life down there. And there are cats who have been thrown out of their home. Maybe their owner has died and they've ended up at the shelter and they're lonely and they're scared. They would adore you to take them home. So it may be that you don't take in the feral cat. You may take the feral cat to the shelter. And you may pick up a cat who is easier for them and for you to give a lasting home, a home forever uh, in your house. Is is that really the best thing, is to uh, uh, try to alert or work with um, e either animal control or, or organizations like PETA and the Humane Society to um, take these feral cats and, and get them into a facility so that they can, um, I, I don't know, uh, um, make the adjustments they need to to not being stray. Yeah, and Tom, I mean, people are horrified at the idea because it is awful that what we're facing is that they may be put to sleep. They may be euthanized. Um, the cat overpopulation crisis is, is enormous, which makes me just sick when I see somebody buying a cat online or going to a pet shop or wanting a particular color or type of cat. They're, all of them are in these shelters, desperate for homes. But the ones that you take out of the alley or in the somewhere, if they're truly feral, they're not going to come to a good end out there. They're not going to have a retirement. They're not going to get vet care. And they may not adjust well to your home. And so it sometimes is. You know, just have to face it. 
that it sometimes is the best thing you can do is to take them to the shelter, and the shelter may indeed euthanize them. But it's not um, not fair to them to terrorize them or leave them outdoors. You mentioned uh, trapping, sterilizing, and, and releasing, and I every cat lover I've ever talked with is supportive of doing that because of the overpopulation of feral cats. Um, is it is it working? Are the numbers coming down, do you no. know? No. And, and what you hear people who are in favor of that, and I think it's a feel-good thing, and I understand it, is that you haven't taken a life. You have spayed them and put them out there to take their chances. But as I say, it's not going to work out well for them. There is no old cat dying on a comfy sofa by a warm fire. They are really just trying to survive, and they're not, they don't do that well. Food is not enough. That's just not enough. They have to look for water in winter when it ices up. Um, they get dehydrated in summer. They get attacked by dogs and raccoons. They get wounds that aren't treated. You really have to face the fact that it's trap, neuter, and abandon. It's not just release. And what's driving me mad is that some shelters now are so afraid of people criticizing them for euthanasia, which can be the nicest, kindest thing, because it's just there aren't enough options. Only known care and putting them outside, sterilizing them and putting them outside. They've never done anything other than feed from a bowl and sit on a lap or a computer <laughs> keyboard. They, they've never been this vulnerable, and suddenly they're out there, and someone has said, oh, you'll be fine, off you go then. You would never take your own dearly loved cat off your couch or your bed out of your warm home and chuck them out and then turn around and walk away or come back once a day to feed them. You know you wouldn't do it. Why? Because you know that that isn't right. So go to the shelter, please, if you need a cat, if you want a cat, if you can provide for a cat. And don't get one, but get two homeless cats who can keep each other company when you're at work or you're away. Are, uh, are cats pretty good companions to each other? Mostly, yes. I mean, there is a little bit of a difficulty if you've had one cat for a long time and they're an old codger and they think that it's their home and their home alone. <laughs> and then in comes this interloper that you brought home. But usually, yes, they adjust in record time. You'd be surprised. And if you bring in a young cat, then even that old codger gets amused and is watching the antics of the young cat. I had um, a, an old cat who, when we brought in a, a kitten, that kitten would go and sit next to that cat. And uh, he would turn around and batter on the head. Just didn't want anything to do with this annoying little tyke. And she persisted. And within a week or so, they were just grooming each other. And they loved each other. And they were companions for the rest of their lives. And that happened. So I've got lots of tips in the book as to how to introduce one cat to another. But if you don't have any cats and you're going down to the shelter, hopefully, to get a cat, do get two if you possibly can. And they'll keep each other company and they'll amuse each other. And 
it just gives them much more to think about than just where are you. Are there, I, I always think of myself as more of a dog person. <laughs> Ingrid, I so I don't so I you know I don't know a lot for about cats and and how to interact with them um, and and I guess that makes me wonder: Are there cat people versus dog people, and and how do you know which one you are? Is it just because you because you naturally are attracted more to one than the other? I think, Tom, it's sometimes who you grew up with. Did you grow up with a dog or did you grow up with a cat? I've had both. Some people think. (laughs) Well, some people think that they could never get along with a cat in their home. But over and over again, I hear someone say, my husband, you know, he doesn't think he wants a cat. And the cat comes into the home and suddenly it's the husband who didn't think they wanted the cat who is just bonded like glue to this cat who sleeps on his chest and um, is always with him and talking to him and so on. Cats, like people, I mean, have different tastes. There was one cat in our office um, who just loves men. I mean, he doesn't like women. I, I mean, he might just tolerate them. But if a man comes in the office... He's right over there to say hello. <laughs> it's a mono mono thing with him. And I think the same is true with humans. But once you know that little individual, maybe you wanted a son and you got a daughter, that little individual is going to work on your heart and you're going to start to appreciate them. And I think a whole new world opens up to those people who've never known a cat. And it's, it's all grand if you, if you apply yourself. Um, what are, can you explain to me what the, what the whole thing about catnip is all about? (laughs) Well, obviously you haven't been down to South America and taken those herbs that make you hallucinate, have you, Tom? (laughs) No, no, I really haven't. No, nor I. No, I haven't either. But apparently, I mean, hallucinating in a nice way or getting high in a nice way could be as enjoyable to some human beings as it is to some cats. You don't have to have catnip. You can actually have honeysuckle if you've got a honeysuckle bush near you. Um, But if you can get catnip, um, we get organic catnip. Somebody grows in their garden in Seattle and we just put it in an old sock and tie the, up the sock and throw it on the ground. And two out of three of our cats think that's just terrific. And they will roll on their backs and kick at it and inhale it and just space out a bit. Um, it shouldn't be done too often. They just need to have their feet on the ground and to be thinking clearly so that they don't get caught in the dryer or in the foldy bed or uh, start doing bizarre things like chewing through electrical cords. Um, but yes, catnip is something most cats enjoy as a sort of treat sometimes. And you can grow your own. Of course, you can also grow other grasses. There are lots of seed packages and, and grasses that you can get that are very cheap. And, and cats need to and like to eat grass. And they can do that without going outside if you've got that I don't recommend oat grass. Well, oat grass can make them bring up a hairball, um, but 
maybe that's not such a bad thing sometimes anyway. Well, I just I, I just wondered, because um, I've, I've heard about catnip forever, and, it, and it, it always seemed like it might be a little bit cruel to the animal if people are doing it for their own entertainment. Oh, well, that's a wonderful point, because, yes, and I've known people who have given beer to cats for their own entertainment. Yeah. Um, yeah, you have to, oh, yeah, you're right. You always have to be thinking from the cat's perspective. I think it's fine. Cats do seem to enjoy catnip, but as I say, if you're going to use it, just use it once in a while. But when we're talking about how to amuse your cat... One of the things I find is absolutely neglected. If people will, with the best of intentions again, they'll buy some fancy pants, expensive cat food, pop open the can, and that's it. But I've got recipes you can cook for your cat. There are cat foods, there are foods you eat that you could share with your cat. Cats like variety just as we do. And I always say, people are surprised that you can add a little bit of parsley, a little bit of crushed garlic. They love some of them mushy steamed broccoli of all things, even melon balls or a little bit of brewer's yeast or if you know what marmite or vegemite is, a little bit of that in hot water on the food. Um, and you need to spice up, liven up their lives a bit. What a... Um now, something I've seen people do with cats, and I, I don't know if it's if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but these laser pens, <laughs> they love to see the cats chase the 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 dot on the wall or on the floor. Is 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 that is that healthy play? It's okay as long as I mean cats do love it, but cats love anything you dangle from in front of them, whether it's on a a, a, a rod or it's from your hand um, or it's a, 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 a plant that they can actually uh, not get into trouble uh, sniffing or chewing. Uh, they love all sorts of things and they will chase that laser. The thing is, uh, you can't get it near their eyes. You have to be very, very careful. And with all games, you must let cats win sometimes. It's the same with the dog. You know this, Tom. People, you see them, they'll throw the ball make them drop it through, and sometimes with a tug of war, the dog never wins. You have to let the dog win. You have to let the cat win. They have to catch something. It's hard with a laser, but used carefully, cautiously, a laser pan can be something that will give cats a lot of joy, a lot of entertainment. But let them get their paw on it, and it doesn't move. Turn the light off, and they think they've got it. Can cats be good travel companions? I know a lot of people will be uh, bugging out for the holidays for various trips to Grandma's house and so on. Um, can that can cats be taken along for those things and and acclimated to traveling that way, or uh, is it better to get them a sitter and and just go do the festivities? Well, in the 250 Vital Things, I've got lots of tips about traveling and not traveling and how to choose a cat sitter. I always say choose a cat sitter the way a French chef chooses vegetables without the squeezing bit is very, very carefully. You want the finest. But And leaving a cat at home with a, a responsible cat sitter, 
who calls you every day, has your number not only on the phone, in case they lose it, they also have it on the fridge, um, it is fine. It's probably best. But you can't fly your cat. I've got stories in the book of disasters. Only one cat I know survived being lost on a plane. Can't fly them in the cargo hold. They must always go under the seat. Cats must be microchipped before they leave the house. They should have a detachable collar in case it gets lost when they're fleeing somewhere. They should be on a harness so they're easy to um, control if something happens. And sometimes cats can travel, especially if they've learned to do so from kittenhood in a car, but it can be very dangerous. I can't tell you how many times the humane societies have had to come out and cut out the exterior of the car to get a cat out of the wheel well, or they've crawled up under that console behind the dashboard, or they've got themselves caught in the springs, or someone's put the window down just to pay the gas bill or, or a toll or something, or they've opened the door and maybe another car backfires or some trash truck comes along. Cats panic. And if they get away, you often will never see them again and it will break your heart. You have to be very careful. I saw a cat once uh, climb into a, a plastic bag and couldn't figure out how to get out and ran on. That plastic bag flew from one end of the house to the other and back several times before the cat could be extricated from the bag. And so, yeah. I, so and they panic. They do. They do panic. Um, Ingrid, I, I don't want to panic, but we're almost out of time. Um, and, and I always enjoy talking with you. You always have a, a ton of, of great new information every time we speak. And, and I really appreciate you taking time. The name of the book is 250 Vital Things Your Cat Wants You to Know by Ingrid Newkirk, the founder of PETA. Ingrid, what's up next for you? <laughs> well, every day is a busy day, Tom, because unfortunately <laughs> there are a lot of animals all over the world who need our help. So we're talking to people about their winter vacations. When you go away, please do not allow anyone to put a parrot on your shoulder on the beach because they have a life and they should be in the wild. Don't have your photo taken with a tiger or lion cub. Don't go to a dolphinarium, and we have lots of tips for people who are traveling, as I say, how to take care of your animals at home and what to do if you find an animal in need when you're on the road. Um, Ingrid, before we sign off, um, can you share the, the website so people can uh, find out a little bit more about what we've been talking about? Absolutely, Tom. Anything people would like to know about animals, vegan recipes, anything at all, it's uh, peter.org, P-E-T-A dot org, and 250 Vital Things Your Cat Wants You to Know is on Amazon and on peter.org. Well, as always, uh, Ingrid, it's been a real pleasure talking with you. Keep up the good work. Oh, my pleasure entirely. All the best to you. Happy holidays, Tom. Thank you. Bye-bye. That was... Uh, 
PETA founder Ingrid Newkirk and the uh, book, The Cat Guardian's Bible, is 250 Vital Things Your Cat Wants You to Know. More of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead. Hello there, citizens. Darkwing Duck here. And every time I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck out. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination, a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can, keep wearing masks correctly, and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19, and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. Say Objection. I object. I object to that, Your Honor. Oh, hi, Mom. What's up? Dana, what are you doing? Oh, you know, just um, Attorney General stuff. Listen, I have a legal question. What is it, Mom? I just got a call from the water company. Apparently, your father has not been paying the bill. I guess they're going to turn the water off because we owe more than $1,000 now. Can you believe it? Actually, I can't. So listen, we just have to send them $200 in Edible Arrangements gift cards and that will keep the water on. Now, here's the legal question. What is the website for Edible Arrangements? Mom, it's an imposter scam. Imposter scam. Is that .com or .edu? No, the call was a scam. Scammers will pretend to be a government agency or a utility company or someone else you might do business with. A big red flag is if they tell you that you can pay them using gift cards. So when in doubt, ask for the information to be sent to you in writing. And never give a caller or someone you don't know your personal information or your money. If you do suspect an imposter scam, Report it to my office at mi.gov slash agcomplaints. Okay, all right. And Dina, where do I file a complaint that my daughter hasn't visited in over a month? Does your office have a website for that? Okay, Mom, I'm hanging up now. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. The Tom Sumner Program has hosted live candidate forums for local, state, and national offices at bars, restaurants, coffee shops, and colleges. Armchair Politics has gone to Lansing, Frankenmuth, Birch Run, and Hell. 
Hell, Michigan, that is. We've done shows all the way to the Mighty Mac and back to the bricks. We've done remotes from a baseball stadium in Lansing, a grocery store opening in Flint, and from a moving train. We'd like you to tell us where to go next. You can write to us at TomSumnerProgram.com, call us at 810-339-8255, or contact us on Facebook. This is your chance to tell the Tom Sumner Program where to go. This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. We have two poodles, two little poodles named Willard and Wilbur. They're toy poodles, and they came out of the same litter. There were two of them. And uh, I have nothing against poodles. They're very nice, as a matter of fact, or dogs. I'm not advising you not to get dogs, but don't get two dogs. I'll tell you the problem. the problem is, if you go out, and then when you come back, you will find a message for you from one of them, usually on the carpet or something like that. <laughs> and the problem is, with two poodles, you don't know which one did it, you see. It's a case of the phantom strikes again. <laughs> and, <laughs> and you can't, you can't punish both of them, because the one who went on the paper figures, well, they don't want it there, so... Uh, <laughs> I'll do it on the couch next time. I don't know. Maybe but we, we had them up in Vegas. I was just up in, in Las Vegas. And we flew up, and I don't dig flying a great deal. I take what's known as a white-knuckle flight in the airline business. I, you know. And uh, I'm not even too wild about the ramp that, you know, I have to get drunk to get on the ramp to get into the plane. I didn't used to mind flying when, uh, when they had the props going, because when I fly, I like a lot of noise going on on the wings, when, you know. But when you're on the jets now, they just have the pods out there, and you're sitting there, and you're looking out, and they're going and you're saying, they're probably on. No, I'm sure. No, I know they're on. I know they're on. Oh, yeah. And then, then before you take off, this has nothing to do with it. It doesn't prove anything. It hasn't got to do with maintenance or anything, but they have a checklist they go through. This is just for the passengers. It makes them feel better. Uh, the pilot or the, the stewardess, whoever happens to be flying the particular flight, here, uh, <laughs> comes out and kicks the tires. Now, this... this this is very reassuring, you know, when you're about to fly over mountains and everything. It's sort of like checking for a new car or something. And then, after that, uh, they count the engines. You know. One, two, three, four. And I don't mind that too much. When they check it against the list to see whether they're right or not, this bothers me a little bit, so it's kind of weird. But it's very strange. They have new rate tables now. There's a big competitive thing among airlines. And they have rate plans. They all have to charge the same rate, but they have ways of getting around it. Like we went up there on Thursday. This is family day. See, now this costs you less if you go on family day. Then we took a night flight, which is less. And we took prop, which is less. And we took coach, which is even less. Well, it turned out the airline paid us $4 (laughs) to, to go to Las Vegas. Oh, <laughs> 
This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program.
Don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner. 